Good morning. Hi. I'm Dr. Fratarelli. This is Dr. Carmon. We're doing our second uh, Facebook Live session. This session today is going to be titled uh, IVF One-on-One. Um, so we have several topics that we're going to you know, gradually go over over the next uh, several minutes. Um, first thing to do is really just talk about what is IVF. Uh, I think a lot of people understand the basics of IVF somewhat. So just kind of in a nutshell, IVF is where we give medication to the female, typically injectable medications, sometimes some oral medications, a variety of different protocols can be used, but the medications are designed to get the ovaries to respond and get follicles to grow. And then the follicles are eggs. So we're trying to get as many eggs as possible from the ovaries during a cycle so that we can get eggs and then ultimately make embryos and give someone their best chance to get pregnant. During the IVF cycle, the patient will take approximately 10 days of, of uh, injectable medications and usually around day 12 we will do an egg retrieval where the eggs are removed. Uh, at that time they're going to be fertilized. They'll be evaluated in a lab and fertilized in the lab either by placing the sperm with the egg or by doing a procedure called intracytoplasmic sperm injection or ICSI. Uh, and then after that we will evaluate the eggs over several days in the lab, usually about three to five days and then either do a transfer, uh, or these days we're doing more of what we call a delayed embryo transfer, where the embryos are frozen initially uh, so that we can get the uterus ready and prepared better, and then do a transfer, usually about six to eight weeks after the initial IVF cycle. Uh, so there's a few different indications um, for IVF. Uh, one of them would be, of course, uh, the major, major one would be infertility. Um, and there's a few different etiologies of infertility that would really necessitate IVF. Um, so, for example, if a female has uh, a history of a tubal ligation, okay, one option would be to do a tubal reversal. Um, however, under most circumstances, IVF actually tends to be more successful. Uh, another indication would be um, male factor infertility, where um, ICSI, the procedure where we actually inject um, sperm directly into the egg, uh, would be necessary. Um, and some other indications would be simply unexplained infertility, where uh, perhaps other fertility treatments haven't worked in the past, um, or um, perhaps people don't want to try other fertility treatments that they know have relatively low success rates compared to IVF. All of those would be medical indications for in vitro fertilization. Some people choose to do IVF for other reasons, for example, um, for fertility preservation purposes, either because uh, a patient will be undergoing toxic, uh, gonadotoxic chemotherapy, uh, radiation, or certain types of surgery. They may choose to actually preserve their fertility by undergoing IVF ahead of time. Another reason would be family balancing, um, where perhaps patients would like to actually uh, know or choose the gender of their um, embryos ahead of time. One of the uh, most common questions we get from IVF about patients about IVF initially with patients is how long does it take to do a cycle? And I always hesitate a little bit because it takes it takes it's different. You know, it varies with every patient. A lot of it depends on how long it takes the patient to get started. You know, as far as getting the evaluation done, and then when do you count the cycle starting? Uh, because usually there's a lead into the cycle. The month before the IVF cycle, you're either taking you know potentially Lupron therapy, which is injectable me injectable medicines, or birth control pills, or some oral estrogen, or we're just letting you cycle naturally with your with your menstrual cycle prior to starting the injections for IVF. 
So there's the month prior to IVF, and then there's the IVF cycle. Once we start the injectable medications for IVF, usually it's about 10 days of medicine, but it does vary. Some patients may go nine, very few patients go less than that. Some patients may go a little bit more, 11 or 12 days of medicine. And then once we finish the medicine, we see the follicles are ready, uh, and so we should have mature eggs. Then we do an egg retrieval, or actually we do a trigger shot, and then the egg retrieval is done about 36 hours later. So usually that's around day 12 to 14 of the cycle. So the IVF cycle is about two weeks, and then it depends on what we're going to do with the embryos. Are we going to do a fresh transfer? And that only happens uh, usually about 10% of the time that we can do a fresh transfer for patients. Um, or are we going to do a delayed transfer? For a delayed transfer, again, like I said a few minutes ago, what happens with that is we have to freeze the embryos around day five at the blastocyst stage. And then that takes about six to eight weeks to get the uterus prepared so that we can do a transfer. Uh, another very, very common question is, what are the success rates? Um, obviously, if you're considering IVF, there maybe is very significant um, time investment, financial investment, emotional investment. It is, it's definitely a journey, um, and so you may want to know kind of what your success rate would be. Um, obviously, I can't give sort of a complete blanket statement, but it is very, very much dependent on a few things. Uh, the number one predictor of IVF success is going to be age. Um, and so uh, under the age of 35 in our clinic, okay, success rates per egg retrieval cycle at this point are um, approximately, you know, above 70%, around 80%. Um, but that number obviously declines um, as you get older. Um, and um, obviously when you're into your late 40s um, and 50s, okay, IVF using your own egg becomes um, very, very ineffective. Um, the other thing that kind of factors into it, of course, is uh, your own personal story, um, your etiology, how well your ovaries are working. Uh, so there's a lot of things that kind of factor into it. Um, you definitely should approach your, um, your provider and directly ask what you think your success rate is going to be because it, it really, really does vary. The other things that play into it, of course, are the lab that you choose to go to. Um, and uh, you can actually uh, kind of look up some of the success rates of various labs and providers and figure out what works best for you. Of course, keep in mind that um, every lab, every area may have a different patient population, and so sometimes it's kind of hard to compare um, provider to provider, lab per lab, when you have very, very different patient populations. Um, but overall, your provider should be able to give you a pretty straight answer about what they think your success rate is going to be. I would agree. Just to, to add a little bit to that, you know, that is a very common question that we get. And you can find success rates online, but the problem with success rates online is they're not individualized for you. Uh, and a 28-year-old is not the same 28-year-old across the board, or a 38-year-old is not the same. If you have endometriosis or fibroids, and how many follicles you have, and what your lab values are, that's really going to vary, you know, that's going to change what your uh, success rates are. So really, we can give you an individual uh, success rate, but you do get a, a kind of a, a general idea about what success rates are per uh, per age group just by on, on going online. And on our website, uh, we do have uh, our success rates. We also have national average success rates, and we have a link to uh, the SART, which is the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology, which gets all of the IVF data yearly and puts it all together in a nice package, and, and you can look at different success rates that way. Um, and actually, going back a little bit to what I talked about a few seconds ago about fresh versus frozen 
um, transfers after an IVF cycle. One of the reasons why we are now doing 90% frozen cycles is because of success rates. What we found is what we really were maxing out our success rates with fresh cycles. Um, and our frozen cycles were having better success rates. And, and what we, uh, in the research, what we found was that the elevated hormone levels during an IVF cycle were potentially having a negative effect uh, initially on the lining of the uterus and not allowing the embryos to attach if we put the embryos in right away. So that we found that by doing a delayed transfer, freezing, freezing the embryos, getting the uterus ready at a separate cycle and putting the embryos in six to eight weeks later, we have much better success rates for the majority of patients. Um, the other question that we get a lot is, is about cost with IVF. And, and very similar to how long does the IVF cycle take and what are my success rates, cost really varies with patients as well. And um, you know, I think that when you, and that's the reason why you, when you go online and try to find costs, you don't really get a good answer because it really it depends on what you're going to do. Um, here in Hawaii, we're one of seven states that has insurance as a, a mandate, so, which means if you have a Hawaii-based insurance uh, and you're eligible, then insurance will cover the majority of an IVF cycle. They'll cover approximately 80% of an IVF cycle. Uh, your out-of-pocket copay with the insurance is approximately three to $5,000, depending on your insurance. And so one of the things that we do when we, when we meet with you initially at your consultation is we talk to you about what your insurance is and what potentially your copay would be uh, and go over that. There are some items within an IVF cycle that someone might choose to do that aren't covered by insurance. You know, for instance, freezing your extra embryos is not covered doing genetic testing, pre-implantation genetic screening, and pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, which will be a topic of, a, of, an, of another Facebook Live session in the future, those aren't covered. Um, but what is covered is just the basic IVF, uh, giving you the medications, getting the eggs, making embryos, and doing the, the first transfer. Uh, the other you know, the thing to talk about was, what, what if you don't have insurance? What, what are your options? Um, Out-of-pocket costs, uh, again, will vary, and, and typically, somewhere between ten to 20000 if you had to really kind of ballpark it. But again, it depends on age and how much medication you need and things like that. We work with you to try to find the medication at the lowest rate possible and try to figure out what we can do to maximize your, your outcome and minimize your cost if possible. We also have um, financing uh, options available on our website that aren't necessarily through our office um, because we're, we're not a financial institution. But we do work with some financial institutions that do fertility financing. And you can actually find that on our website in the, in the IVF page. We do have a question here coming in. Um, someone was asking, does the woman's age affect the success rate of an FET uh, procedure? So, um, uh, or a frozen embryo transfer procedure. Okay, so the answer to that is um, it does depend. Um, so the, in general, Okay, the success rates of IVF are, like I said, dependent on the age of, uh, the, um, of the female partner. Um, and in general, okay, it's dependent on the age of the egg. Okay, so if the female partner is using her own eggs, okay, then um, that is going to dictate a lot of the success rate. Again, there are people who have endometriosis, fibroids, other things that kind of factor into it, but age is very, very much a huge uh, part of that success rate. Now, if you freeze your embryos, okay, when um, you're young, okay, you're under the age of 35, um, and then use those embryos when you're older, okay, the success rates are going to be similar, 
um, to what they would have been um, when at the time that you froze your embryos under the age of 35. That's a really beautiful thing about um, FETs. That's the really nice thing about fertility preservation in general. Now, um, there are some other things to take into consideration. Obviously, as you get older, you can develop other medical problems. You know, your fibroids can become bigger. Um, you can develop scarring within the uterus. You can develop, you know, your endometriosis could be worse. I mean, there's certainly things that um, can advance with age as well that may negatively impact the success rate. But, you know, overall, um, I would say that a good general answer is that it, it really is dependent on very much on the age of the embryo, such that the woman's age um, does not have a huge impact on the success rate um, of the FET. Um, and then, so, and please feel free to um, ask other questions too. We'll kind of just stop and, and answer whatever it is that, that you guys are interested in hearing. Um, so, so how do you start this process? Okay, so let's say um, you're thinking maybe you need IVF or, or somebody in the past has told you that you need IVF, um, even if you're not sure. Uh, best thing to do is to go ahead and make an appointment with, um, with a fertility specialist. Um, and at that appointment, okay, we're going to review your entire history. We're going to review, um, we're going to do a basic exam on you, take a look at your ovaries, okay, take a look at your uterus, um, and perhaps order some tests that will um, kind of guide us in the right direction to figure out um, you know, if you need IVF, and um, if we know that you do, figure out um, what type of protocol and what type of treatment exactly that you need. Um, the other thing that you want to do is, of course, um, you can come to the consult completely not knowing anything about IVF. Okay, that's, that's fine. Uh, um, I think, you know, we both love to hear ourselves talk, as you guys can see. So we can just, you know, talk to you guys, teach you everything at the consult, so don't worry about that. But, you know, a lot of people are just kind of wondering uh, what it's all about. So aside from watching this video, you certainly can look at our website. We have a few different... Um, uh, we have a lot of kind of explanations up there. We actually have a video which goes through um, um, IVF um, in pretty pretty great detail. Um, so please feel free to to take a look at that on our website as well. Um, and then you know a lot of times people do call and ask simple questions over the phone. You know they'll call and they'll say. Um, how much does IVF cost, or, you know, will I be able to do IVF next month, or whatever it is, you know, kind of without meeting with us. And, you know, we really want to be able to answer those questions for you, but it's tricky because we don't know what you need. You know, we don't know what kind of protocol you need. Some protocols um, can be very, very short and quick, and we can get you in right away. Other times, you know, it's recommended that you wait a little bit before you get started. Um, and of course, again, same thing as, as Dr. Federelli mentioned with costs, a lot of times you might, um, you might try, uh, you know, you might have tried IVF before, now you have to pay out of pocket for it. We may um, switch up the protocol for you very significantly and that might um, change the cost for you. So I think it is very, very important to come in, have a consult with us in order for us to properly answer those types of questions. So I do want to have a shout out to Gloria. Thank you for your, your comment and congratulations on your baby. We, we definitely missed you and we're very happy for you. Um, and you're right, I do have a great team. It's, it's a great, it's, a, you know, the, it's really the people behind the scene, that, the scenes here that make us successful. A lot of people that, that IVF patients don't, may not ever meet, and people in the laboratory are really handling your eggs and sperm and embryos, and, and they are really um, the best of the best. We, we actually have a, a post on our website here recently where our lab was cited as one of the best labs in the country, actually the best lab in the country for freezing eggs at, at our last national meeting. 
and that's really all testament to our embryologists. So, uh, so thank you. Um, I think lastly, you know, I wanted to kind of talk about what are the other options other than IVF. I mean, we're not here to just do IVF, but we see, you know, a lot of our patients do IVF, but a lot of our patients do other things. Um, and so it really depends on what your individual needs are. Um, that's when we will, uh, you know, assess what you need and, and, and uh, come up with a program for you or a protocol for you. If you've done an IVF cycle, one of the things we always do if you're not successful is we'll sit down and go over the IVF cycle with you, talk to you about what we found, what we learned about the ovaries and your medications and embryos and sperm, and then talk about other options. And sometimes it's as, as easy as maybe repeating a cycle if possible, or if you have frozen embryos, using frozen embryos. Um, sometimes it, you, know, you can actually go backwards. It's not really backwards, but there are other options like ovulation induction and IUIs. You know? So once you get the IVF, that doesn't mean that you can't go back and still try with intercourse or try Clomid or injectable medications or IUIs because you still can. Um, and so we talk to you about those options as well. Likewise, if there uh, is a significant egg issue, uh, for a patient, then we'll talk about donor eggs or significant sperm issue. We may talk about donor sperm or other options. Um, and sometimes there can be a uterine issue where we just find that the uterus is, isn't compatible with carrying a pregnancy, and so we'll talk about being, uh, using a gestational carrier. Uh, and if, no, if none of those are options for you, then we also you know, talk that, you know, talk, tell you that there, there are other options can, uh, like adoption, and, and so we discuss that as well. Um, but we do try to give you a kind of an overall comprehensive view of what your options are. Um, and like Dr. Kamal said, you know, our website is really filled with a bunch of information. has all, most of this information on it. has a lot of interesting videos that are much shorter than this Facebook Live session that are two or three minutes long to give you little, um, you know, pearls on PGS and IVF and cost. We even have a video on a cost that Dr. Carmon did uh, that's wonderful on there. Um, so, so thank you guys for tuning in today, um, and I don't think we have any other questions, but um, we will be having uh, another live uh, Facebook Live session probably uh, in early in 2018, and so stay tuned, and we will let you know. Yeah. And thank you so much, everyone, for the comments yes. that you're making. It, it's, um, it's really, really wonderful, and um, it's really a privilege to work with you guys and build your families, and it's so wonderful. It's, what, it's why we do it, so thank you. And Tristy, thank you, and, and congratulations as well. Yeah, thanks. You guys have a wonderful day, and a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you.